each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second stage. Jeff, this is kind of crazy. Must be uh, summer's coming to an end because you and I are back on the radio. We kind of <laughs> took the summer on and off. You know, we uh, rarely got on to, on the radio together and uh and we uh, we took a, we took some off, so it's uh, it's been uh, must be must be uh, summer's coming to an end. You buying any of that? I I am. I actually would say it's not that a lack of enthusiasm on our part. It's more trying to find guests that aren't on vacation or spending time with family as they should during the summer months with little league and vacations and all that sort of stuff. And we did a little traveling too, Jeff. I just want to point that out. But it's all good. It's all good because it's uh, summer's uh, summer's winding down. You took uh, your oldest to college. I took my oldest to college on the same day last week, and so uh, we've uh, we, we've we've uh, we've stopped crying. So it's time to uh, it's time to get back to business. Waterfalls, waterfalls, exactly. exactly. It's all good. <laughs> Not from our kids though. They, they were <laughs> not at all. They were dying to get away from us. It's good. So today's show, we've got a great show for our guests uh, today. It's uh, We've been following crowdfunding pretty closely with our show, and we've got an expert on our show today, a gentleman by the name of Bill Hubbard, uh, Hubbard Business Council. Uh, you can learn more about Bill on uh, www.hubbardbusiness.com. Uh, he is the owner and founder of Hubbard Business Council. Uh, he is here to shed light on the newest crowdfunding options for both business owners and investors. Uh, there is a new Reg CF or Title III that we're going to learn about that came into effect of uh, May 16th of this year that will allow businesses to raise equity capital online from non-accredited investors. And we'll talk about what accredited means. Uh, unlike the previous forms of crowdfunding, and frankly, this is news to me. So we're glad to have you on the show, Bill. Um, and I, I thought um, uh, before we got started talking about crowdfunding, I thought it'd be fun to hear a little bit more about your background and why you're so passionate about educating and working with business owners. Sure. Happy to, Jeff. And when I'd received sort of an outline of what direction you wanted to take the show, I really hadn't given much thought to how I came down this path to begin with, but I will have to say that as a young boy growing up, I had three younger brothers. What I ended up with is parents who were particularly passionate about business, and in particular my father, who when we'd have discussions around the, the uh, dinner table, even when I was a teenager, about Adam Smith and wealth of nations, and the fact that this whole country really is predicated upon entrepreneurship. And so as that evolved through the years, I ended up going to uh, military school, West Point, then spent time in the Army as an infantry officer, and that was followed by getting accepted to a law school program where I got a CPA. But then after finishing my time in the Army as a JAG prosecutor, I had the opportunity to come back to some of the large business law firms in Chicago, but opted for a very small firm because I wanted to, in effect, do it in part by myself and with a specific business entrepreneurial focus. And so that's what got me here to begin with. 
Hey, Jeff, I just want to point out, he happened to uh, mention that he spent a little time getting himself educated while he was in the uh, at West Point, getting a law degree and getting a CPA. So somehow in there, he was decided that he was just going to keep studying, too. So it's... Uh, yeah, that, that, Bill, that, Bill, hasn't, I, I that hasn't stopped. And the more that good. I study, the more I realize how much there is that one can't learn, regardless of what your experience or your passion is. No, that's great. The... You know, the, this funding thing is an interesting dilemma because I think, you know, uh, the, the the government wants people to get funding. They don't want people to get ripped off. And it's just, you know, I don't know, I'm kind of fascinated by this show, uh, uh, American Greed. Have you ever seen that show on no, uh, CNBC? No, I haven't seen it. Well, it's just a crazy show about how these, you know, kind of crazy uh, entrepreneurs kind of rip off investors and so forth. And I'm sure that's what the government's really kind of. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting you know kind of parlay into like you know how did you kind of get focused on on the crowdfunding world and 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 maybe talk about kind of where it's where it's come from. Sure. Let me go back in my history. I know for some of your listeners, they're going to be in their twenties, uh, perhaps not even that. But for me, it was after I got out of the Army, went into a small firm, started doing work for a number of small businesses, one of whom happened to be at the time into daycare. And that particular person wanted to raise money in order to expand his daycare business. And so that was right around the time of what today is known as Regulation D, which came into effect, let's say, 1983. But the biggest challenge for a business advisor such as myself is okay, how do you go out and raise money? Well, there you have to look even farther back in history to the 1920s and the Depression of 1929 and regulations, laws that were put in effect in 1933 called the securities laws. And in effect, they say, hey, guys, you have a business, you want to try and go and raise capital, you have to register the government, with uh, register your offering of shares or LLC interests with the SEC. And as all of us probably are aware, that is very expensive, very time-consuming, yet some exceptions were provided. But those exceptions really meant that you had to be able to, to spend a lot of money on attorneys and accountants or be very connected into a group of family and friends with a, a close network, which most Americans, most American businesses are not. And so in the 1980s, you had some offerings done. I did a bunch everywhere from real estate to um, financially related to um, oil wells to you name it. And it was always about providing sufficient information to each investor to say, look, it, do you have all the information that you need? Can, can you really understand what it is to make an investment into this and assess for yourself based upon that what the probabilities of you getting your money back and getting a return. The SEC tried in about 1989 and then again again about 1997 to make it easier with what they called a SCORE offering, not to be confused with the Small Business Administration SCORE program. And there they said, okay, folks, if you want to raise up to a million dollars, you can, and here's how you do it. But you had to go through about a 135-page manual fill out a form, have the financial information, and you had very few companies across the whole United States that, through today, use that. So what did you have happen that came together about, oh, now, eight years ago? You had the Lehman Brother crisis, which triggered the 
in effect, major recession here in the U.S. And the only way the particular type of crowdfunding that I'll speak to a bit later today came into being was because the job situation was so bad that when one took a look at the entire spectrum of potential investments, a couple guys were able to convince one congressman to introduce some legislation to permit anybody, and I really do mean here about anybody that's an adult, to invest $2,000 in businesses that could be located anywhere else in the U.S., $2,000. $2,000. So, so let me ask you a, a question, because uh, this, this has been, frankly, one of my major issues with, with crowdfunding is, is, you know, the accredited investor rules. And for our listeners, an accredited investor, uh, generally speaking, is somebody that's worth, uh, has a net worth, which is their assets minus their liabilities and whatever's left is their net worth uh, of at least a million dollars that excludes the value of their home and is making at least $200,000 a year. So that would exclude possibly a young lawyer that does M&A deals, someone that's very, very bright and involved in in this uh, investment world that we call private equity, but is is not an accredited investor, just as an example. Why, Why not eliminate the accredited investor rules for investing in private equity funds or venture capital funds that exist today? I think one of the reasons is the amount of information that accredited investors either get or don't get. When the SEC back in 83 or so came up with the definition of accredited investor, and the standards have changed a bit, and there's a proposal to make them even broader, what they figured were it was that you had a certain uh, number of people in the U.S. that could afford um, for themselves to investigate and hire attorneys or accountants or registered investment advisors to advise them. But they saw fit not to put in an exception for, call it, you're more sophisticated, sophisticated from an understanding of the laws, like the person that you you spoke to. Now, there has been, and there repeatedly since then, attempts to carve out an additional exception for the young attorney that you mentioned, but so far that hasn't uh, hasn't been permitted. So you, there's, I mean, I guess the, the way to think about it is, 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 or the way I've always thought about it is the way the laws have been established is that uh, the more money you have, the smarter you you were, uh, quote unquote, and therefore you could make these judgments on your own. But I guess you're saying that they had the resources to hire their own counsel to review the materials and so on and so forth. So for you... Oh, I think that, think that was part of it, Jeff. I think part of it was also that, but look at if you don't fit the accredited investor stand, uh, standard, that is $200,000 in income or 300 with a spouse, then, well, maybe you shouldn't be invested investing in things that are considered traditionally as being more risky. You get less information, though you might be sophisticated, uh, we're simply not going to permit it. And that was the rule. And it was, it was for mo- the most pur- purposes, a good rule. What's changed now is the SEC has said, I think realistically, although there was a great deal of controversy, and there are many people and securities regulators that never would have permitted 
the new form of crowdfunding for unaccredited investors um, to come in and who would like to see it die or not succeed. But the real challenge has been, and this is, has been a great number of the clients through the years that I've represented, is they have a passion for their business. They're honorable. They want to do, do the right thing. They wouldn't mind having investors, but they're, they don't have the capability financially to run their business, make the business investments that are needed, and then spend the money on attorneys, accountants, to put together a securities offering in a traditional fashion, go out to accredited investors, and seek funds that way because they have no broker-dealer tied into that sort of a, a network that they know. They may not have the returns in the business. The two of you with your company look at returns in, I don't know, five, eight, ten times over a period of years, and there are very few businesses across the United States that can be formed, grow, and end up with such a growth, much less return to the, to the investors. Yet the intention of the SEC has been, and is, and the regulations provide for, a set of rules now where it really is, for the first time in my lifetime, realistically doable for, again, an honorable entrepreneur who's willing to share fairly with an investor in order to try and ensure that investor gets a decent return, to put together a business plan, financials, and have the information uploaded where it can be observed by anyone anywhere in the U.S., and that entrepreneur has a realistic probability of actually being able to raise the funds, again, predicated upon the type of business and the return it's likely to to achieve. So the ones that are going to have the greatest success in this area are not going to be the ones that are simply startups who have come up with a, a, a brief business plan, the one that fits with no customers, no experience, and then go out and look for investors. The ones that are going to be most successful are ones that have probably an existing business and they're able to demonstrate uh, that over the past two years, three years, they've gotten some decent results and decent returns, and they've built the trust, the credibility, to be able to say, I can do this for you into the future. But even those are going to have to look around and, and say, okay, what should be the right level of investment, and how much of my company am I going to give up? By way of example, just today by way of figures, you have probably 90-plus companies in the last three months since it began that have filed the necessary form uh, with the SEC. And one of them that comes to mind, and I've gone through many, though not all of them, is a company in South Dakota that was looking for investors for a cable, um, a fiber optic cable network there. And it wanted less than $100,000, as I recall, and did it in the form of an IOU, saying to the prospective investor, we'll pay you interest only for the next two years. And at the end of the third year, if my memory serves, we'll pay you the accrued interest and the principal that you put in. So for a 6% return, they went out and believed they could get the investors. I don't know what their success has been today, but that's the sort of situation which provides credibility 
to an investor to say, look, at this company has a, has a reasonable shot of providing at least a reasonable return. Well, that 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 is helpful explanation. But I appreciate you providing because you know I, I can see a little bit more clearly about how from the entrepreneur's perspective this is a a great you know opportunity. Um, but l- let's dig in a little bit further because this crowdfunding has evolved uh, more than I realized because there are different forms of of or I guess levels of fundraising. Uh, if you sure, can maybe wonderful. walk us through that a little bit, because it started with uh, in kind, if I recall, and then there's like interstate. But if you could walk us through the stages of crowdfunding and now where we've ended up with this Title Three in, in May of this year. Oh sure. If you back up, let's say six years, maybe even ten years, there are many websites that people, uh, your listeners, will be familiar with. Indiegogo, Kickstarter, uh, two of the most prominent crowdfunding sites. And it grew up around trying to raise money for either good causes or sort of causes that people were passionate about. But in no situation could it involve an actual investment, an investment where an investor wanted to, to see a return on his or her investment. Sometimes there were, there were things like perks given, a T-shirt or something of nominal value, but it was not investment crowdfunding. Fast forward then to about five years ago in the U.K., you had crowdfunding then really begin. And there were a number of sites there, and it was questionable at the time whether it could be done. And so that's been going for, let's say, five years with the average company raise, if I, if I recall correctly, about um, the equivalent of 400000 maybe 350000 U.S. dollars for the companies that wanted to use it there. So if I back up to a little over four years ago, there was this thing, piece of legislation called the Jobs Act passed. It had a bunch of parts that don't apply to the small, two small businesses, and they're made for companies that are approaching, let's say, a billion dollars in revenue. But there were really two different parts that applied to most businesses, potentially. The first was what you referred to earlier as accredited investor crowdfunding. And that went what I'll call live about two and a half years ago now. And what did that do? It effectively said that now if you're a business owner located anywhere in the U.S., you can generally solicit, meaning that before then you couldn't put an ad in the New York Times or Crane's Business Chicago or on the Internet or put up a billboard. Why? Because you're considered to be generally soliciting for investors nor could you send a blast email out. And if you were looking for funds before then, you had to have, and this is with credit investors, some sort of pre-existing relationship with that investor, although I will say that was commonly abused. But what the SEC did as part of this first new phase is said, okay, we're going to now let you, the entrepreneur, raise money from accredited investors. We will let you solicit however you want, billboard, radio, TV, blast email, Twitter. Pick your medium. You can do it. The only thing that you have to do is, one, first, make sure that what you're, you are doing before you take any money is making sure that that person really is an accredited investor. 
That is, they meet the standards. And you can do that in a number of ways. You can have them send in their tax returns. Most will not want to. Or you can have some third party attest to or ver- that we, we define who those third parties are. And there are companies today that will do that, that will verify that they're an accredited investor. And what the SEC did as part of that as well, they said that, look, because we're going to permit this, that is, general solicitation, we're also going to increase the number of potential investors before you're considered to be a public company and have to do all the public filings. And it used to be 500. If you reached 500 investors, you were automatically a public company and were subject to all sorts of the SEC rules. And so the SEC said, we're going to change that and have it work this way. As long as there's not more than 499 unaccredited investors and a total of 1,999, we'll let you increase the number of investors in your company. So conceivably, you could have 1,300 accredited investors in a company and still be a private company. And you could generally solicit for it. And the information that you have to provide, while you still have to provide all material information, there isn't any particular format or exact uh, form that has to be provided. And that has made it much easier for some that are connected to accredited investors. And you'll see by... (coughs) Pardon me. You'll see much more of that done in the future. And there's already been a lot of that done since... um, in the two years or two and a half years since it's been permitted. And the last part, then, was the part that I referred to earlier. And just to go through the rules briefly, the rules say, and it's, took, it's taken the SEC four years to go through the process of writing the rules, having congressional hearings, testimony, having them reconsidered, and for the ultimate final rule to be enacted or, or um, promulgated. Last fall, the rule came out with the accompanying text. You have about 685 pages of text, and about, oh, 20-some pages of that is the actual rule. And what that said was, going back to the example that I gave earlier, anyone generally in the U.S. can invest now $2,000 or 5% of the lesser of their income or assets or... 10% if their income and assets are in in excess of $100,000. But no one, regardless of how wealthy you are, can invest more than $100,000 in any given year. And each of these limits are within a given year, and it's across all sorts of investments. So you might want to make three crowdfunding investments in the course of a year. I'm not saying one should. I'll cover that in a bit. And let's suppose each of them are $1,000. Well, if you, your income doesn't exceed um, what would be the equivalent of about $40,000, well, you're not going to be able to invest more than 2000 combined. Well, I want to take a quick break here, and I want to thank our uh, listeners here on the second stage for listening to us. You can follow us on Twitter at evolution underscore CP. You can join the discussion using the hashtag the second stage. That's the 2ND stage. You can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. 
Uh, I also want to recognize our sponsor, RSM, formerly McGladry LLP. Uh, they're a leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. Uh, when we come back, we're going to ask our guest, Bill Hubbard, uh, the, what are the biggest challenges with this new investment crowdfunding rule? Uh, stay tuned to the second stage. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson, I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. You can listen to this episode and others on uh, voiceamerica.com, or you can uh, listen through iTunes searching podcasts for the second stage. We'd certainly like to uh, encourage you to uh, uh, rate and review the, the uh, second stage. If, if you can do that, that'd be wonderful. Uh, we're back here with our guest, uh, Bill Hubbard. Uh, you can learn more about Bill at www.hubbardbusiness.com. Uh, he is the owner of Hubbard Business Council. Uh, when we left the last episode, we were uh, going to talk a little bit more about what the biggest challenges with the new investment crowdfunding rules are. Bill? No, well, thanks. One of the things for everyone to keep in mind that is interested in possibly crowdfunding is it may sound overwhelming to you, but it really is at this point doable. 
And I say that regardless of whether you're comparatively new into this country, you have a business, it's working, and now you really do think you have a decent chance to get investment capital, some investment capital, albeit not 200000 but maybe 50000 or 75000 because you've been able to demonstrate how you've done. So let me go to the question here of what are the obstacles. Well, first I'd say the entrepreneur, him or herself. Many businesses don't have the patience to put in place the systems that they need, or they might be operating their business just as a lifestyle business and they don't want to report to others. So what you have to have is the right mindset. And the mindset is, my business does work, it is profitable, I can grow it, I can provide a decent return for investors, and I'm willing to report to investors, meaning that what I have to do is be able to run my business as a business, and if I want entertainment expenses that I've in the past run through the books, well, they all have to have to be expenses that I could justify to any investor, my best friend from from college, from grade school, my grandmother, and run it as a business. So the biggest obstacle initially is the entrepreneur, him or herself. The next is the business. Will the business actually work? Too often, all of us have dreams for our futures. Yet the reality is that many of those dreams can never come into fruition in the way that we want them because we aren't prepared for what's needed by us to make them come into fruition. And so many times entrepreneurs think that they their business is more successful than it is. They can be more successful in the marketplace. There isn't as much competition. And so they have to acknowledge that to begin with. Then the question is the specific operations of the business. If you're going to look at raising capital for a business, it's helpful now for me to share what the rules are. If you're trying to raise up to 100000 you'll need financial statements, tax returns, or financial statements prepared by a CPA. It doesn't have to be by a CPA if it's 100000 But what you need to do is have them prepared in accordance with what's known as GAAP, generally accepted accounting principles, and your accountants would be able to tell you what those are. So if you're going to look at getting ready for crowdfunding this year, next year, probably the first thing that you need to do. Get your accounting records in order and your business operations that can support that and the people that you need, if it's only yourself or your spouse, to have them in the right format. If you're hey, going Bill, to- I just, I'm, and, just sure. and kind of keep your train of thought, I, just, I do want to ask, you know, Jeff and I and, and we at Evolution uh, continue to be Amazed at at how few of the companies that we talk to that they're you know with with a with a really solid uh, entrepreneur that's hustling that their that their financials really aren't in gap and really aren't in a in a in a great in a, in an easily understandable manner and it was just curious do you run into that same problem where where I, and I don't want to put a percentage on it but I will um, I, think I would I'm, probably say eighty eighty percent or more businesses don't run yeah. in accordance with with gap for a whole variety of reasons. Their bankers yep. don't require it. Uh, it isn't needed. It costs money. They don't have the time. They're running the whole business by themselves with one or two people, and it's how do you, how you're uh, trying to put out fires. And so sometimes the books and records are the last thing. They really do need to be here amongst the first things that are to be tackled. 
And and I would argue, and and I'm, this is kind of a common theme that we've mentioned a lot of times throughout the throughout the uh, the show is these are common things that whether you want to raise capital today or whether you want to do do uh, you know you just you it's a it's a must have you know, to keep options open it's a must have to get bank financing it's a must have you know down the down the road and it's just it's a it's a good practice to get into and I think a lot of you know entrepreneurs don't think it's worth the time or effort and I just it's just it's amazing to me. Uh, but anyway, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm, a, a fair amount of my practice through the years has been mergers and acquisitions of companies of all sizes. And so think of it. You're trying to sell your local bakery, your pizza place, your small manufacturing company, your landscaping business. And the first thing any buyer is going to want to see at some point if you decide to sell and it doesn't go on to a second generation inside is your financials. And how clean are they? And the worse they are, the lower the price that you're going to get, the more time it's going to take, and the less the, the likelihood of it, of it actually being able to sell at the price you want. So if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, really put yourself in the position first of an investor. If a friend of yours came to you and said, oh, here, um, I'm looking at investing in your business, well, would you want him or her to do that? If you're, or to invest in their business. What are you going to need to invest in their business? What's the financial information? How comfortable are you going to be? So wear the investor hat first, and that also goes to the value of the business and what you think you can, can provide by way of a return. Pardon me. When you'd said something earlier too, where it's like you know a lot of entrepreneurs view it, you know, the, the taking out, and, and I'm kind of going on a little tangent here. So Jeff, you can zap me with your electrical shocker, but um, <laughs> you know that that, that that you know that running the personal expenses through is just part of doing business and so forth. And and I'm here to tell you, it's not. I mean, it's it's uh, you know if, if you if you if you want to have a partner and if you want to run a professional company, um, it, you know, you you really have to draw a you know a very a very you know kind of distinct line between those. Uh, you know, those, that sort of uh, behavior. Oh, it, absolutely you do. Now, one of the things that's helpful, though, is, is if you want to go through the process and see what's involved in the process, and you should, you should investigate it first. There are 15 portals so far, financial portals, that have been um, approved, and they're operating once outside the U.S. And whatever investment that you do as an entrepreneur has to be done in a very... Uh, regulated fashion. The short of it is you find the portal that you're going to run your investment campaign through. It will have a series of checklists and forms for you to go through and financial information that has to be uploaded. In some cases, they'll be able to provide assistance either as part of what they do or for a separate fee, either directly or indirectly. And eventually, what you'll do is simply upload all the information to the portal. It will go through its checklist, and it is not like a broker-dealer. It cannot recommend anybody invest in your company. It can simply post your information on its website, and it can only do that once it's satisfied itself that you've met all the rules. And you're not permitted to go out and actively solicit directly to your friends by way of by way of example the billboard that I referenced earlier but what you can do is send out a notice covering in brief terms what the terms of your offering are 
and pointing everyone that's interested, all your Twitter uh, followers, all your LinkedIn connections, all your Facebook friends, solely to a website, the portal's website. And it's there they can find your offering, all the terms, they can communicate with each other, they can see all your financials. So one of the downsides that you have to be prepared for as a business owner, coming back to your question, Brendan, is are you prepared to share all of your financial information publicly with anyone in the U.S., including your competitors? And for many a business owner, that's going to be a problem. For many others, they're going to say, well, look, it. if you go to the IRS uh, tables that show average profitability for business, much of this information is known generally. And so, yes, I am prepared as a business owner to share this information publicly. Why? Because it can help me achieve my dream better, faster, and I'm willing to take that risk. Hey, Bill, let me uh, kind of flash back um, a long time. It'll be 32 years ago. Wow, it's killing me. Uh, wow, that's uh, no 22 years ago. My math isn't so good. Um, I, I uh, was uh, kind of you know, it was in banking in Chicago and uh, wanted to kind of go off and do my own thing, and so I. I uh, had an idea. It actually was given to me by somebody else, and so I was going to run around and try to raise capital. And I, I literally would just, you know, get, ask people's names. And I had a little prospectus put together, and I would go to meet the people, and I'd pitch them. And and so, and you know, and it, to be fair, it was kind of a it was a distressed real estate deal, and 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 so forth. I mean, is that sort of thing? I mean, is is, I mean, that, is, can, is, that can still be done, but it can't be done under crowdfunding. It okay. can be done under accredited investor crowdfunding, or however you want to call accredited uh, the accredited investor exception to the registration. Okay. So, so what but you crowd, can do the same crowdfunding would be totally have to. I mean, crowdfunding. I'm sorry. But, but crowdfunding would be something that you couldn't do in that scenario. No, not like that. You could put okay. together your distressed real estate deal. You go to all your contacts, everybody that you've been given on a list, and send out a notice to them. It doesn't matter how, blast email. But you can't do it saying, hey, please invest here. Here's your internal rate of return. Here's the business plan. What you'd have to do is saying, look it, I have a deal. Describe what it is. Here are the general terms. Investment in a limited partnership, trying to raise um, $2 million, um, or if it's 800000 within the crowdfunding exception, um, limit of $1 million. And so go to one of these 13 financial portals that are regulated by FINRA. Here is their address. Just click on the link and go there. And all the information will be right there. Then they can ask you any question. Once they've signed up, you can communicate with them directly that way. But what you can't do is, uh, is go out and have a separate meeting with them. And what so the explain that to was me. really looking at is this. They, they were looking all over the country and saying, how can we set up a system where we minimize fraud? If Brendan is meeting with somebody separately and there's no way to sort of monitor it, and we know what the history has been with the smaller companies, well, something that he may use a way that he shouldn't be using. And what we, the SEC, are charged with is both trying to put together regulations and laws that, that encourage capital formation, Yet at the same time, trying to make sure that investors are treated fairly, have all the information. And so this is the way we came up with. 
Oh, so that's so. So the differentiation is that uh, the communication that I have with all the investors goes through the portal. So it's portal. So it's effectively the people are monitoring what I'm saying and what I'm representing, and and, and so forth. And it, is that is that a fair kind of quick summary? Yeah, it sure is. And also, the concept of crowd came in. That look at if anyone in the U.S. can see your website, see your offering on one of the portal's website, and they can, and they know what the terms are of the financials and how you're positioning the company, then if you're committing some sort of fraud or you're being dishonest about it, by way of example, a former employee that could come in and chime in, hey, this isn't the case, then that has a tendency over time to minimize the scale of any frauds that are committed. And was thought to be a good thing. Now, from my standpoint, one of the bad points of of doing it exactly that way is the confidentiality portion. That is what the SEC could have said, in my estimation, should have said, but didn't. Is look at sign up for on a given portal to see the offering that Brendan is doing as a crowdfunding offering and agree first that you'll keep all the information confidential except on the website. So you can share your feelings with anyone else on the website, but you can't use it to the disadvantage of the business. And the SEC and Congress decided not to do it that way. It's interesting. You know, one of the things, and I guess it you know, goes down to the credited investor thing, is that you know, when, when you're putting a small deal together, um, often it's nice to have the 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 thoughts and and questions. I, I remember the first deal I put together. You run around and you think you got all the questions, and then you, somebody asks four or five good questions, and you go get those questions answered, and then you kind of come back and 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 they ask better questions, and then you know the the deal gets better and better and better because the questions that you're that you're answering kind of help you know kind of help move it along. And so when you're communicating with the people online. Can can you get some of their feedback in that regard, or is it pretty much? Oh, just, sure. Um, no, you can get if if any of your listeners decide they want to sign up to one of the the platforms, they can just give the email their email address, and they can look at a given offering. By way of example, of the eighty some that are there now, I'm not sure how many have closed. I don't think too many. I think one that did. I actually wrote a, a um, uh, short piece on a post some months ago. Actually, two of them. And, I, and by the way, I'm not here um, advocating any particular portal or any particular investment. But the f- very first one that was registered with the SEC and was uh, was online was one called Native Hostels. And it was called an upscale hosteling company out of the sort of more hip community, Austin, Texas, that had an entertainment venue uh, plan with a couple guys that are, were already in that space, one a restaurateur and I, I think the other in the hotel uh, area, though I can't recall. And they came up with a, with a decent plan. And so once they put it up, uh, you had questions from, from every quarter about what it was they were doing, what their plans were in this particular or that particular, that weren't included in the particular offering materials. But generally, you'll find many of the, the I won't say prospectuses, they're, they're not, but many of the uh, posts with the business plan and the other required information uh, do a good job of representing what the, the status of the business is. And that was the objective of the SEC, provide all material information, reasonable in terms of length, but yet not 
overwhelm the entrepreneur. And one of the thing, things as well that should be kept in mind, every attorney, for the most part, that I've spoken with since crowdfunding um, has been adopted, and most all business owners think of crowdfunding, this type of crowdfunding, Regulation CF, where you can raise up to a million dollars over the Internet, as only a place for brand new businesses or tech businesses. And I view it as something completely different. Yes, it will apply, does apply to those. But if you take your middle market, lower end of the middle market manufacturing uh, company, let's say $20 million in sales, $30 million in sales, $50 million in sales, most all those businesses can use crowdfunding in one way or another. One way is directly as additional investors into their business. It could provide the additional capital that they need to take their business to the next level. Or what they could do is say to one or more of their leaders of their company that they would like to see continue with the company, they could have a portion of the company split off, fund them in part, keep an interest in them, use crowdfunding, and being able to expand their business indirectly through not necessarily a subsidiary, but what I'll call an affiliate. And very little of that is even being talked about today, yet that to me has the highest probability of making crowdfunding overall a realistic tool, not only to start a business, but to really keep it going where, where business owners don't and aren't tied into an accredited investor network. We're talking about crowdfunding uh, here today on the second stage with our expert, Bill Hubbard, uh, owner of Hubbard Business Council. You can learn more about Bill and his business at www.hubbardbusiness.com. Uh, when we come back after the short break, we'll do a, uh, a final rundown of crowdfunding. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I got my partner Brendan Anderson here as well. Uh, we are talking crowdfunding here on the second stage, and we've got our guest Bill Hubbard, 
of Hubbard Business Council. And he, uh, uh, Bill's uh, asked uh, me to direct everyone to another website called HB crowdfunding.com. That's www.hbcrowdfunding.com. So we're kind of, you know, Bill, during the break, you were bringing up some really, really good and valuable uh, information. And I thought maybe if you just repeat what you were were discussing during our break uh, to, and share it with, with the audience at the second stage. Uh, surely, Jeff. What we were talking about is, is here resources in particular. On this separate website, HB Crowdfunding, I had put up now some months back uh, four different posts, and they really do, I think, have the information that any entrepreneur or any investor, doesn't matter which hat you're wearing or both, should be aware of prior to the time that you decide to spend more time investigating crowdfunding or investing in it. And I have one called uh, Crowdfunding 101 that goes through it directly from an entrepreneur's standpoint. And the challenge is always, as a business owner, you have so many different directions that you can go in. Is this even worth your time? And what I'll say after 30-whatever number of years, I've been representing business owners, counseling them with regards to strategic options, doing all sorts of deals during that period, and seeing the toughest challenge is being an entrepreneur with a company under, let's say, $50 million, is how do you get what you need to grow the company? Now, lots of that can't be provided by investment capital. But if you take a $10 million business or a $20 million business that may have in its stockholders' equity $1 million, $3 million, $5 million, $1 million can make a huge difference for the, the business. So all I'd suggest there is read the, the post that I have. And that's on www.hbcrowdfunding.com for everybody's right. benefit. And, and then there is, if they, if they want additional information, happy to send some out as I put it together, including um, the checklist. Uh, there's a place to sign up uh, for a newsletter there. That's great. Hey, um, we're down to, what is it, Jeff, kind of three, four minutes here. And I was yep. wondering, you know, we, we did start talking about some of the, uh, some of the, 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 um, you know, kind of challenges with the with the crowdfunding, and we, we had talked about the fact that there's these uh, you know twelve or thirteen portals, and and maybe uh, maybe kind of just and then you know kind of go through and kind of summarize what what these what uh, what uh, some of the uh, entrepreneurs would run into, and uh, maybe some of the frustrations. Uh, the, sure, the, the frustrations will be you, you that this is going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. And you're going to have to prepare, be prepared as a business owner to do things you generally haven't done before unless you have outside shareholders that you have to routinely report to. So with the portals, what you're going to find is they are helpful, but there is no magic solution. They don't necessarily have the best offering. The portals okay. simply let you take your plan and invest, whether that's stock or what are called in two of the portals, um, simple agreements for future equities. Equity, you have some that uh, some of the investments will be what are known as uh, as uh, convertible preferred stock. Others simply common stock. So you're going to have to make a choice. And where what I do as part of my practice under HB crowdfunding is 
provide strategic advice. I don't want to do under my law firm the, the legal documentation, but providing counsel from a strategic business standpoint to the business owner with his or her attorney and or accountant to structure their particular deal is, from my standpoint, how I can add the most value. Well, that's and it sounds like it's something that uh, it would be very difficult for an entrepreneur to learn any 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 time quickly. The um, but it does appear, and it just kind of uh, get get about three minutes or so. But the the um, there have been a lot of companies that have filed to raise, and they and they um, so there's there does seem to appear to be a, a good amount of demand and so forth. The and and then would most of those companies, um, Bill. Uh, go and try to find some, they would have to find somebody like you to help them structure it and think it through or wouldn't they well, that, it, it, yes and no some of them will decide simply to go with the discussion that they may have with uh, the portal itself or the documents that they provide as what they consider to be templates yet they're still going to have to have whoever their local attorney is um, and CPA firm involved and just by way of resources, anyone who wants to can see the number of portals, the 15, by going to BrokerCheck. It's located on, actually, it's not BrokerCheck. It's on FINRA's website. So if you go to www.finra.org and search for funding portals, there are the list of the 15 portals there and a link to their website. If you want to see all of the offerings that have been made across the country, you can do that on the SEC's website under filings, under full text, put in Form C, and you'll be able to see all 90-plus filings that have been made there with all the materials. Cool. That's great information, uh, Bill. And unfortunately, that is all the time we've got on this show today. Um, uh, you know, as we say each week, we want to provide actual advice, and I think that we've got a lot of great detail and resources uh, that that you can go to. And certainly, Bill knows what he's talking about. And I would encourage everybody to go to www.hbfunding crowdfunding um, crowdfunding excuse me dot com. Uh, Brendan, uh, other than passion for possibilities, what else we have today? No, it's always amazing uh, the stuff that's out there and uh, and the things that small business owners need to learn. But uh, it's all about the pa- you know if you have the passion for possibilities, keep learning. And you'll figure this stuff out. That's great, and uh, thank you, Bill, again for for being on our show and informing our uh, our listeners. And thanks for our listeners for tuning into the second stage. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.